Hello, I'm Hilary Walker, Pastor Derek's assistant at the Oxford Bible Church. Today I just wanted to share with you about the wretchedness of rejection and how Jesus Christ has come to set us free. It can cloud a whole person's life. You know, I know someone who's in their 70s and they felt rejected as a child. And through the whole of their life, it has affected every single personal relationship. To be rejected can cause such inner turmoil. It can also cause self-rejection. Also, the person can feel terrible anger inside at being rejected. And this can manifest in outbursts of anger, a shutting off of coldness, and a criticism, and a grumbling, and a complaining, and a judgment towards other people. Let me tell you the story of Azir. Now, Azir was a dog. Please don't be insulted, because God used this as a very wonderful illustration to show me what it's like to be rejected. Azir was a do beautiful, beautiful dog. He was born in Africa, and he was bred, actually, to protect the farms and to take on lions and elephants. So he had to be a very strong and actually um, inbred a certain aggression. Anyway, this lady fell in love with him and had him shipped over to the USA. And uh, when, he was when he was tiny and cute, he was loved and he was petted. But then, of course, dogs do. They grow up and he grew stronger and, I guess, a little bit more self-willed. Anyway, the lady's uh, response was to put him in a cage. The cage was a concrete um, construction. It was about four feet wide, six feet long. It had concrete floor, concrete ceiling, concrete sides, concrete back, and a very strong wire front. And when his owner would come to say, hello, cutie pie, he would hurl himself at this wire grill. And uh, she called in uh, an animal behaviorist who was called in to tame him. He was like putty in this lady's hands. He rolled with her. He was so loving and wonderful. But every time he saw the person who had shut him in that cage, he was filled with rage. Fortunately, the owner did care for him. Many people had suggested that the owner put the dog down. In other words, have him euthanized, which is a lovely word for kill him. And so she called in um, the, uh, the dog whisperer. And he came, and within minutes, he was able to go inside this cage and hand feed this dog, who was considered so vicious, he had to be destroyed. Anyway, he took him to uh, what is called his boot camp. He joined um, Caesar's uh, dog pack, and he went for long walks, long runs, and um, he had lovely swims in a great big tub there, and he was actually one of the most docile and trainable dogs that were there. You see, when he was put in that cage, he wasn't taken out. He wasn't taken for any walks at all. He was just caged in for three years. Now, to a dog, that is rather like 21 years of being caged up. And so the Lord showed me that this is a picture of us when we have uh, a root of rejection. It's like a cage, and it cages us in, and it can make us wild and angry 
on the inside. But Jesus Christ has come to set us free. He is our kinsman redeemer. He's identified with us in every way with our human frailty. He was tempted in every way, but he never sinned. We are tempted and we do sin. Let's look at what happened to Jesus. Did he live a life of, um, you know, like a bed of roses? Was, uh, were people just fawning upon him? Let's take a look. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. This is prophesying what would happen to the Messiah. It says, he was despised. Maybe we don't quite fully understand what that means. Despised means looked down upon, disdained, haughty, dislike, contempt. To despise as inferior, unworthy, scorned, ridiculed, and humiliated. So he was despised. He was rejected. What does that mean? To throw away as worthless, forsaken. He was left, deserted, abandoned, and renounced. And we'll see when we look at later scriptures, he was. He was left and deserted and abandoned by his disciples, the people whom he loved for three and a half years and was their intimate friend and master. And uh, he was renounced, at least by one of them. And uh, it says that he was a man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief. What does grief mean? Distress of mind and soul. And he was acquainted with sicknesses and pain, physical sickness and physical pain. And he was like um, one from whom men hide their faces. You know when someone doesn't like you, they just turn their face away and pretend that you just don't exist. So it was like that. They turned their faces away from him. They turned their backs on him. He was despised, uh, looked down upon, and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem. If you esteem someone, you respect them, you value them highly with affection. You consider a relationship with that one as a privilege. And people didn't consider a relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, as a privilege. You know, uh, in my childhood, I was loved. I was the youngest child, and I was at home, and I was loved. I was the baby of the family. And my first school, yes, I was actually the teacher's pet, and I was very popular with all the other pupils. Anyway, my parents decided that I needed a better um, education. So they took me to a posh school. And from day one, at the age of six and a half, I knew rejection by the pupils um, and by the teachers, especially by the teachers. And this really actually um, disabled me um, emotionally in many ways. And it wasn't until I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior and loving Christians prayed for me and accepted me as I was, that this began to fall away from me. And you know, to gain people's respect and, and to gain self-worth, I thought, if I hold an exciting job. And so I applied for a job with the, uh, the Foreign Office in London, and I was given one, and I was sent to the British um, Embassy in Tehran. Very exciting place, but in fact, I became so sick um, with heat exhaustion. So I was sent home and I was very glad to come back to the cool shores of England. But no, I, I couldn't give up because I, I needed 
uh, to be accepted by people. And so uh, I applied for a job as a purser rep with the Union Castle Shipping Company, and three of us were chosen out of 3,000 applicants. And, uh, but that didn't, there was a hole there, and it didn't suffice. But God used that job to bring me in contact with a wonderful lady called Elizabeth Wharton, who prayed for me and prayed me into the kingdom of heaven. God will use um, your past um, in your everyday life, in, in his kingdom. It's not wasted. And then I thought, well, if I got a job with St. Thomas's Hospital as a medical secretary, and I did to someone um, who was called Sir John, and that was fantastic working for him, but there was still that um, self-loathing, actually, inside me. And I, my eldest brother, I, I really wanted uh, to have his approval. And when I was very young and little, um, he was tender and protective towards me. Um, but as I grew older, I felt that I was an embarrassment to him. And tried as I might, I never really could win his approval. And then I thought, if I get into the right social circles, meet the right people, perhaps I will meet some influential man, and then I will have my self-worth from that. And I do thank God I never did meet anyone um, in all those tryings. Uh, God had a much better husband for me. So if you want to be married, wait on God. Let him choose your husband for you. Um, it will be much better than anything that you could plan. And so I didn't realize that all I needed was the love of Jesus Christ. I didn't realize or recognize that the only opinion, the only approval that's worth having is that of the Lord Jesus Christ, of God the Father, and of God the Holy Spirit, instead of mere mortal man who is as frail as I am. I remember seeing a film, and it was called Dying, uh, Dying to Belong. It was set in the United States of America on a university campus, and they had, I can't even pronounce it, sororities, and these were like clubs that they had. And this girl was so desperate to be accepted that these other women actually um, put such a pressure on her, and in the initiation day, they um, made her stand on a parapet, and she fell to her death. And Jesus gives to us. He doesn't push us to do dangerous things. And so Jesus did not enjoy the acceptance or approval of men while he lived on this earth. But it says that we have a high priest um, who, is, who cannot, uh, who is unable to, sorry, who sympathizes with our weaknesses and was in all points tempted like us. Now how was Jesus treated? We look at the, 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 the important people, the influential people of his day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious folks. They, all, they followed him around, criticizing him, looking for ways in which they could trip him up and destroy him. Um, John 8, 41, they said, we were not born of fornication, illicit sexual intercourse, which includes prostitution and whoredom. They implied his mom was a whore. Um, and then uh, when he was casting out demons and he was healing people and he was blessing people, what happens? Here come the scribes, Mark 3.22. He is possessed by Beelzebub and he cast out demons by the prince of demons. Then his own family, his own flesh and blood. Um, 
he's surrounded by throngs of people and he's, he's um, teaching them, he's healing them. And it says that uh, there was such a throng that he didn't even have time to, to eat. And here we see in Mark um, chapter 3, verse 21, here come the relatives. And when those who belonged to him, his kinsmen, heard about it, they went out to take him by force because they kept saying, he's out of his mind, he is beside himself, he is deranged. His own half-brothers, they taunted him to go up to Jerusalem, into Judea, where the Jews were seeking to kill him. It tells us in John chapter 7, in verse 1, it says, um, Jesus would not travel in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. And here we are in verse 3. So his brothers, his half-brothers said to him, Leave here, go into Judea, so that your disciples there may also see your works. For no one does anything in secret when he wishes to be conspicuous. If you must act like this, um, uh, show yourself openly and make yourself known to the world. Why did they say this? Verse 5, because his brothers did not believe in him. If your family don't believe in you, if they think that you're a fanatic, for Jesus, then praise God, you have the approval of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus went through it. Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples. Luke 22, verse 3 and 4, Je uh, Judas conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him. He was deserted by all, the scriptures tell us. Matthew 26, verse 56, then all the disciples deserted him and fleeing, escaped. Verse 58, but Peter followed at a distance. Later on, we see in Matthew 26, verse 12, that Peter denied him. And again, he denied it and disowned him with an oath saying, I do not know the man. And when Jesus was on the cross, suffering excruciating pain, the rulers came and they sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And then the soldiers also mocked him. Um, in Matthew 27, verse 39, and the passers-by, they blasphemed him, wagging their heads. Verse 41, likewise also, the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders. Jesus was despised. He was looked down upon. He was considered worthless. But Jesus suffered all that so that he could set you free from the root of rejection. Whatever rejection Jesus suffered and endured on this earth in his agonizing death on the cross, it was for your benefit. He didn't have a problem, but man did. Jesus willingly came and took our problems. Jesus willingly came and took our wounds, physical and emotional. He willingly took our hurts and even our rejections upon himself. Why? So that we could go free. Just like Isaiah was taken out of that cage and was made to be all that he could be, the beautiful dog that he was. Very useful and a wonderful dog. So God wants to use us in his kingdom and he wants to set you free from the spirit of rejection today. Just feel to pray just right now to come against any spirit of rejection that is hovering over anyone who's listening to my voice. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. I take authority in his name and with the power of God, I command every spirit of rejection, I command you to leave your victim now. You loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. Now come forth, walk out of that cage of rejection. Forgive the people who have abused you with the power of God. And say, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive, and you name that abuser, by your power and with your help, I forgive them. And I release them into your hands and into your love. And I ask you for salvation for them in the name of Jesus. You are free. Whatever caused that um, spirit, that root of rejection, whether it was turmoil within your home, whether it was um, rejection by people at school, whether it was bullying at school, God has set you free. You see, I desperately wanted people to like me. You see, the devil will arrange uh, for people to dislike you, to reject you, to say all manner of evil falsely against you. That We're told that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. But Jesus said, his antidote to this is, verse 12, be glad, supremely joyful. Why? Because great is your reward in the kingdom of heaven, in heaven. Derek has been telling us about the rewards that are awaiting for us in heaven, but we have to come before the judgment seat of God. And it will come to the point, as we are focused on the Lord, that these people will not bother us, and I think we'll find they disappear. How do we come to the place where rejection bothers us no more? Well, we draw close to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our healer. He's the one that heals us. He reaches down into the very depths of us and can touch and heal places that no one else and nothing else can touch or heal. We, he is our high priest who is easily touched by the feeling of our infirmity. Make him your number one priority. You know, I've heard Christians say, um, oh, I feel lonely. Yes, I, I, I know the Lord loves me. As if his love isn't worth having. His love is everything. His love is the most important love that we'll ever have in our lives. Spend time with him. Make time to be with him. Tell him how much you love him. Spend time every day thanking him for all that he's done for you. All your sins are forgiven. They're removed by the blood of Jesus. Heaven is your home. The Holy Spirit of God will come and dwell inside you and empower you. You have a wonderful future. You are beautiful. And God loves you with a passion. So spend time every day thanking him for all that he's done for you. Thank him for all the awful things that have not happened to you. He protects us so much we forget the things he saved us from. And when you experience that pain of rejection, when I felt that my throat used to close up and I couldn't swallow, it, it just affected me so badly. But I needed to turn to Jesus, turn to him and draw strength from him. 
Just tell him, Lord, I love you. I thank you for loving me. Thank you that you've saved me. And then, you see, when Jesus was mocked on the cross, when he was hanging on the cross, all those people sneering at him, they thought, oh, he's the biggest failure yet. But it was the most magnificent and wonderful victory that Jesus won for you and me. If people look at you as a failure, like they did with me, people would say, the good-natured ones would say, oh, Hillary can do anything, but not for very long. And so I, I, I grew up with that, um, you know, th those words in my head. And those were friends. Um, they weren't my family. And so Satan loves to use rejection. It's one of his favorite toys. Yes, goody, goody. You put rejection in somebody. You can paralyze their faith. You can paralyze the whole of their life. And he tries to plant little seeds of rejection early in your life. I was six and a half years old when I was rejected. And I was rejected from the age of six to the age of 18. And you see, um, some people can even feel rejected in the womb when mama does not want them. You need to forgive your mom if that happened to you. But God wanted you so much. You were born. You are a winner. And you belong to him if you accept him as your Lord and Savior. And so abuse and rejection, they produce shame and guilt and a poor self-image. And you might even hear yourself say, Something's wrong with me. Or what, what's wrong with me? Well, the real me is not acceptable. So I need to produce a pretend me that people will accept. You see, I thought, well, people won't accept me. I have to produce a glamorous, um, exciting, false pretend me. And you can actually reject yourself because someone has rejected you. And those symptoms would be inner confusion and turmoil and te constant tension and self-hate and also self-damage. Let you into a secret because I used to hate myself so much that if my hair wouldn't go right, I would hit myself on the head with a hairbrush because I thought I deserved to be punished. Oh, how foolish. But if you are in that situation and you are embarrassed, phone us, um, you will see our phone number, and we will pray for you. Or what would be better is if you have a friend, a godly friend that you can confide in, don't be embarrassed because Jesus wants to set you free because you are beautiful and you are lovely and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Don't let the devil lead you into self-destruction. The good news is, the devil's a liar and the father of all lies. God says, you are valuable. You are chosen by him. He has defeated the devil for you. And Romans 8, uh, verse 35 to 37 tells us that um, what shall ever separate us from the love of Christ. And then, did you know that you are more than a conqueror? When someone mistreats you and it doesn't affect your self-worth and you are able to bless them with the power of the Spirit of God within you, you are more than a conqueror. Stop evaluating yourself. Stop getting your worth from frail human beings. Your victory, my victory, 
And our deliverance is through the love of God. Romans 8, 38 and 39, For I am persuaded beyond doubt that neither death nor life, nor anything else in all creation, my neighbors, my school friends, know they are not able to separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Be persuaded that God loves you. Um, I would tell you a story, a true story, um, of a man who suffered deep depression and he would close all the curtains and just hibernate, as it were, for the weekends. And he was told that if he would say, God loves me, he'd say it to himself in, in a very reverential way um, all during the weekend. And he did this, and every time that he, um, he felt unworthy, he'd say, God loves me, almighty God loves me. Do you know within three weeks he was totally set free? Believe in the love of God. This is how you become rooted and grounded in his love. If you believe it in your heart, and you say it with your mouth, you will be set free. Deliverance is only through our Lord Jesus Christ. I tried everything and it didn't work. And so it probably rejection will come throughout our life because if you try to live godly, rejection will be there. But Jesus Christ loves you. Remember, his opinion is the only opinion that should matter in your life. Read the Bible. Study Ephesians and Colossians. Know your worth. Know your value. Know that you are accepted in the Beloved. Remember, if God before you, who can be against you? Believe what God says about you. By faith, not by feelings. Don't believe what others say about you. Don't believe what the devil says about you. Be set free. Know that God is on your side. He's always on your side.